0: Okay, everybody, welcome back to Reality 101. I'm Dr. Molly. And I'm Dr. Rule. We are here now for our second episode of 90 Day Fiancé, The Other Way. We're meeting one new couple this um, episode, and we're seeing all the drama unfold with others, getting ready to go meet their new partners abroad. And um, we have a few new listeners, not just a few, actually, we're getting more downloads every day. And so we wanted to take the opportunity to reintroduce ourselves to our students of reality TV. So my name is Molly Um Dr. Molly Collins. I'm an assistant professor of African-American studies at American University in the Department of Critical Race, Gender, and Culture Studies. Um, my work is about the cultural histories of Black motherhood. So that means the images, the film, and the text that go along with the history of Black families and Black mothers in the United States. Um, I'm also a reproductive justice advocate, and um, I'm a doula, and I am living in the DMV area, as well as Dr. Ruhl. Um, and yeah, I guess you can you can go ahead, Dr. Ruhl.
1: Yeah, so hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Dr. Elizabeth Rule. I'm a citizen of the Chickasaw Nation, and I'm also an assistant professor of critical race, gender, and culture studies at American University, so also DMV-based. Um, My work really focuses on Native American and Indigenous studies and looks at things specifically like reproductive justice, Indigenous feminisms. Um, And I also do a lot of work locally here in D.C. I have a project called the Guide to Indigenous Lands Project that builds mobile applications and digital maps for sites of Indigenous significance. So one of those, of course, is in D.C., but we have them for really all over the place. So uh, that's a little bit about me, but another important thing to note is that both Dr. Molly and myself are avid fans of reality TV. Mm -hmm. And we got together with the idea of launching this Reality 101 podcast as a way to talk critically, right, and deploy our collective many years of experience going all the way through PhD programs and now teaching about these subjects. Um, and apply that knowledge and experience to something like reality TV, which we know has millions and millions of followers. We wanted to create a space where we could have critical conversations about things like uh, critical race theory, gender uh, theory, feminism, anti-Blackness, right? all of these lenses that we can use to analyze reality TV together. And I also want to be really clear that sometimes these are shows that we just love. Sometimes they're shows that we love to hate. Um, But we know that you're fans and you're tuning in because you're fans. We're fans as well. But we, again, just want to take the conversation in a new direction.
0: Yeah. And so there's so many other podcasts that you can listen to that, Our recap shows and critical of these shows as well. I mean, there's literally dozens of them. But I think um, what I heard Dr. Rule say um, in our coverage of Meredith Her Sight, right, is that we have a niche here where there's really high level concepts of um, nation making and self making and gender and sex and sexuality and race that are happening on our screens every Sunday and Wednesday night. And although, you know, a large majority of our country is actually watching these shows. So a lot of these high-level terms and kind of ideas and theories that are going along with it that I think can help us make sense of our everyday lives and our interpersonal relationships. And so listening to our podcast, right, We yes, we're cracking jokes. We are also making fun of some of these folks and some of these situations because they are hilarious. How could you not, right? It's not about taking the fun out of watching and making it um, doomsday, although I love to do that and I <laughs> reserve the right to do that. But it's just about understanding what you're really seeing, right? Because if you're going to consume media and we're going to consume content, right, as much as we are, we have to at least make it work for us. And this is our way of making it work for ourselves and for you. Um, That also means that we're on social media and we're talking and continuing the conversation of some of these different theories and terms we discuss we post kind of definitions of um, terms that we discuss and theories and engage on a different level um, on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Um, but we also have a Patreon where you can engage with us directly, right? And so that's patreon.com backslash reality RLTY 101 podcast. And there's different tiers that you can engage With other students of reality TV, and then um, upper level tiers where you can engage with us too, and we can start having a more um, direct dialogue with people on the podcast as well. So, Doctor Rule, did you want to tell everyone where they can find us on on uh, social media, please?
1: Absolutely. That's going to be at Reality One Hundred One. That's going to be R L T Y One Hundred One. Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Find us. Comment, like. Uh, Let us know what you have to say, what you think. Are we getting it wrong? Are we getting it right? What do you want more of? We'd love to hear from you and so appreciate you tuning in and supporting what is fundamentally a Black and Indigenous feminist podcast. So we're so happy to have you here. And with that said, let's go ahead and jump into 90 Day Fiance, The Other Way, Season 4, Episode 2 uh let's kick it off with the new couple that we meet this is nicole and mahmoud
0: yeah so we meet nicole um she is living in los angeles i believe she's 40 years old is that right 38. 38. I'm always bad with the ages. I do the names. Dr. Rule does the ages. Um, Nicole's 38. She's living in Los Angeles and she um, is actually already married to Mahmoud who lives in Egypt. And I don't know his age either. Dr. Rule,
1: do you remember? 26. He's so 20- they have A 12 year spread where she's senior. Okay. So Basically we get a
0: um, a glimpse into Nicole's life, right? She is someone who is from rural Idaho and is kind of the classic person who wanted to get out. She's lived kind of many lives. She's traveled a lot. She's lived in a lot of large cities. She's now in um, Los Angeles. You know, they, they, I just have to start with this opening scene of how they set her up. Right. Cause I think we could have a whole show on class. Right. So they paint her, First, as someone who's, you know, driving down, um, it looks like East Los Angeles on a major highway, and we think that she's living this certain type of life, she's getting out of a Mercedes Benz, and she's very well dressed, she's very eccentric, she's looking very, very LA, and then the music cuts and we see that she's delivering food right? And we meet her. She is Nicole. Um, and she also has a side hustling kind of business where she resells used clothing. And we learned about her relationship with um, Mahmoud. So to start us off, Dr. Rowe, what did you think about this opening scene?
1: Oh, my God. I just got off the boat with her already um, when she was talking about what a challenging job food delivery is. I mean, she just, you know, this is giving full credit to all the people who do work really hard to deliver food. But I mean, the way that she just said it, she's like, I get lost and it's, it's really challenging. And yeah, she says that she hated, um, you know, the fashion industry, although she went to fashion design school, now she does sort of uh, consignment or clothing resale. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, hilarious but also uh, you know I was just like shaking my head.
0: I just want to say you know not to constantly insert myself but I will say I helped put myself through grad school by actually delivering food in Los Angeles. So I actually would work I did uh, DoorDash in LA and so I understand where she's coming from right and but it's a really great conversation for us to have because Right, these these like slippery veneers of looks, uh, of clothing, of all the materialism that comes along with quote, living in a city like Los Angeles or New York, these things are often accompanied by, you know, that person, it, what you see on Instagram and what you see materially is just not true. These people are delivering food, they're waitressing, they're holding down six jobs, or some folks do not have jobs, right? Because of our economy um, and our little R recession that we're living in. And so. Um, we see Nicole as that person. And so she kind of seeks out her wealth or her experience through travel, right? And she is married uh, in her kind of spiritual experience that she had a few years ago. She went to Egypt, had a beautiful, wonderful time, as I love hearing white tourists say that they have a bra. They love it, right? <laughs>
1: and she specifically said that she went to Egypt on a soul journey, which, you know, I, I just shook my head like the whole time, basically, for her segment.
0: Wow, I'm like, again, y'all, go on our TikTok, go on our Instagram, look at Dr. Roll's definition of settler colonialism. um, Because no, exactly, like this idea of traveling to another part of the world so that they can feel closer to God, while at the same time not acknowledging that the history of their people, right, tried to take that God away from um, the people and the other country. So we get another problematic anecdote where she's going through the market and she sees, quote, a beautiful looking boy b o y
1: and um at a textile shop is that correct correct and she sees his big muscles and <laughs> yeah i mean i i for everybody who's listening please get on our patreon and join the next tier so you have access to the video i just like can't stop shaking my head it mm-hmm. was so painful i mean it was it was full 90 day fiance disaster and it was just like watching a train wreck um so yeah they meet in a fabric store because she was looking for fabrics again she has this sort of fashion background she's on her soul journey she sees this boy with big
0: muscles and big eyes, right. Another indicator of innocence. Um, and they just have a conversation. And, you know, it goes down the whole of something like a, a key love bombing phrase, which is like, you're going to be my wife, or I want you to be my wife or something like that. And they proceed to spend one day together, her final day, I believe. And then she flies back to Los Angeles. And they proceed for what, about six weeks or something. She goes back about six times.
1: Right. timelines so I they spent i think the rest of that day together and then the day before she left um or leading up to her departure she says that he proposed online 5 days after she went back to the states which was a total then of 7 days sort of generously right 7 days after they met one week later she then went back to egypt And this is when they actually got married. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and
0: so I think cultural context is really key here, right? So I have lived in North Africa Short engagement periods are not uncommon, right? Usually there's a religious aspect to it and there's a serious familial or family involvement. But just for context, right? A short engagement is not crazy. For the United States, short engagement of five days is incredibly crazy because key phrase, right? And this is our first, well, not our first, one of our many red flags. She didn't tell anybody that she was getting married. She just
1: flew back to Egypt and got married. It was a secret. It was a secret. Um, so then she stays with him in Egypt for two months before coming back to the U S and then she applies for the spousal visa. Um, again, after about two months total. Mm -hmm. So then they're together for about 11 months, a little under a year, and she cancels his visa. And blocks him because their relationship is disintegrating and falling apart. But now the show is opening with the premise that even though she had canceled his visa, they had separated. She is now moving back to Egypt or I guess moving to Egypt. She never lived there. She's mm-hmm. moving to Egypt to be with him.
0: Right. And so I guess the solution to a relationship in which you argue all the time about values and cultural uh compliments is <laughs> that you move in together. Um, and she says multiple times that she does not like Egypt. She does not like living there. She felt like isolated when she was there. She doesn't know the language. Um, I'd be curious to know during this time from which she was last there to now, when she's moving there, what she's done on her end to make sure she's more comfortable. Is she learning Arabic, right? Is she learning more about Muslim culture and customs um, instead of maybe trying to change that specific her specific partner? Who knows, right? I don't know what the answer is for them, but we know. And say
1: no. (laughs) We're just gonna go ahead and, yeah, (laughs) say no on that. Just
0: go ahead and say
1: no. (laughs)
0: Right. And it doesn't seem like it, right? Because we meet her friend. She goes to a flea market in Los Angeles and she's constantly, it it seems to me that their relationship is like the dysfunction is really iterating about self expression and then the role of women, right? She goes to this um, flea market in Los Angeles and she says, like, um, you know, he mainly has issues with what she wears. They one time were out and he saw a woman, a Muslim woman wearing a long dress. And he said, that's beautiful. Like, that's what you need to wear. Um, she's just really confused about what she needs to be wearing, what she shouldn't be wearing and what's offensive and what's not. Um, I really want to just take a, a time out here and just talk a little bit about the way that race is operating here. Okay. Because I am not a white person and having lived in North Africa, what I wore was very, it. Versus my white counterparts who were also there at the time um, was very different. Okay, so someone who of American um, nationality can, whose European descent can get away with a lot more. When I hear about European Americans going to North Africa or other Muslim places and talking about how oppressed they are, I do not get it because there tends to be a blanket understanding that you are not of the culture. And that is almost something that is celebrated. And they're like, great, you're so different, right? We see you on TV. This is great. I just, when she's talking about the restrictive element, maybe of she's, she's making it synonymous, Muslim identity and Islam synonymous with being Egyptian. And I just don't think that's fair. I just don't think that's fair, and I don't think we're having more of a discussion about does he want her to convert or not. That's really what it is for me.
1: Yeah, and I I mean, the thing that is so painful for me about them from the get-go, and I want to also say we haven't met him yet. We haven't had a one-on one you know, one-on-one interview with him yet. So this is all really being told through Nicole's perspective and vantage point. But the thing that is just like so painful to watch about them is that she keeps saying to her friends, right? Who are like, I thought you were separated. I can't believe you're going back. Why? You know, you have all these issues. You don't see eye to eye about, again, like the role of a wife or the role of a woman, right? (laughs) Um, Within his religious and cultural context, why are you going back to him? Why are you continuing this relationship and why are you moving there? She just keeps talking about how they have love between the two of them. And she keeps sort of gesturing to this idea that she just wants it to be the two of them. And if it's just the two of them, they'll be able to work. They'll be able to have their love be enough. And for me, it's just such a red flag because what you're saying, Nicole, is that you want to be with a person in a way that's totally divorced from reality. You can't be with somebody outside of a cultural context. You can't be with somebody outside of a religious context, a national context, a racial context, right? Um, I mean, it's it's just, it's performing a type of sort of colorblind racism, and we would be happy to define that term on our social media for you. Um, but it's performing a, a kind of colorblind racism that's also being applied to things like culture and religion and nationality.
0: Absolutely. And again,
1: you cannot divorce
0: that person you love so much, right, from all of those things. But you also have to simultaneously appreciate that his religion, his culture, his nation state, make him who he is, the same person that you love so much, right? So she, I, I also heard a red flag when she said, like, I love him so much, he's my tar- my tortured art poet, right? So I'm like, you all are connecting on a some type of wound right? Some sort of abandonment either that either either she feels maybe that's where her attachment is coming from. We haven't met him. I don't know where his is coming from. But like you said, she wants him in almost like this singular context. context. And tortured art poet sounds like to me, someone that is really invested, potentially obsessed with her. And she loves that. She doesn't love any other part of the mess, any other part of it. And at 38, honestly, I'm like, are we not at that stage where we realize that love is not enough? Like, are we?
1: No, and and I wouldn't even say that it's just that love is not enough. I would say, what do you think love is? Mm. Like, do you do you want this person who you're saying that you love to again um exist in a totally isolated type of way, divorced from their religion, their culture, their family, their nationality, right? Um, you know, she's basically saying she wants one sliver of him or, you know, him sort of out in space rather than as a person who lives in Egypt. And and that's just not reality and it's not fair. And actually what's, what's problematic about it is that, again, I think it's deeply actually... Um, you know, racist and biased uh, against his religious and cultural practice and nationality.
0: Completely agree. The last thing I just want to say about them is that, you know, I think this is a trope. This is 90 Day Fiance's bread and butter, and we're going to see it and I'm going to rant about it all season. But I really get disturbed at the constant, um, perception of just Muslim folks and specifically Muslim masculine people and Muslim men as hyper strict um, as if in America, we don't have strict cultural mores um, as if you, you know, it is not necess- like we have these cultural ideas about what is appropriate to say, what is to wear, what you need to do. It's, it's everywhere all the time uh, on our coverage of first sight, You can, you can hear us talk about body type and attraction and things like that, but you know, in, and, and then also reducing it to the pathology of Islam, which is also just really, really bothers me, um, without really any understanding of what that means for women or what women have to say about Islam, okay? Um, so I think, like, we're just going to hear about this. We hear it when her friends just say, use this phrase, and like, oh, well, he's just really strict. We're just really concerned for you. You know, you just seem really uninhibited. I think, like, at the end of the day, if I, If they just need some homework, they just both need a legal pad, write down what your values are and how important they are. And if self-expression via clothes is at the very, very tippity top for her, then this is not a good match, period
1: right and and there's nothing wrong with that right okay nicole you want to wear clothing that's more revealing um that is fine like that's your prerogative nobody is forcing you to be with this guy but for him it's seemingly from what we've been relayed thus far important that he's with a partner that does follow his You know, um, again, we don't know if it's coming primarily from a cultural or religious place yet, but his ideas of also what is appropriate dress. Um, And if you disagree on that, you shouldn't be together. Kind of easy. But of course, you know, this is 90 Day Fiance. We love to hate it. This is why we watch. It is a classic trope um, and is deeply problematic, which is why we're talking about it and also consuming it. Yeah, I'm really excited to see where the storyline goes. He
0: says, "quote that," or she's worried about visiting, about the the amount of fighting they'll do. He says that she just quote likes to fight, and well, I mean, we also hear an, another value there, which is that right. He doesn't, on some level, what I'm I think is what I'm hearing is that he wants a partner that is more. Ep- Uh, obsequious right or and we don't again we don't know if it's rooted in islam or gender conception or anything but he wants a partner that does as he says or he wants more partner influence on what she wears or how she expresses herself again that's just a conversation that they should have and it just sounds like they're skirting around it so i'm interested to see what happens when she gets there i hope we're not just arguing over her wearing tight clothing for nine weeks (laughs) no that would be very painful
1: and and i would even say just to give him some wiggle room too right i mean maybe he just wants a partner that follows the norms of the community that he lives in yeah you know, something that is doesn't involve fighting right when you're on the same page about you know how things are done in a particular way just like what you said we have norms and and ideas about cultural standards in the us That looks different in Egypt in his context, but maybe he just wants somebody that is more aligned with him in that way. And so these things that are relatively small don't develop into something that you have to discuss or argue about. It doesn't even necessarily have to do with imposing one's will over somebody else. Maybe it's just, you know, something that you take for granted at some point.
0: Absolutely. And he knows that she is going to, she's not Egyptian. She looks differently than other people. And objectively, right, Egypt has the highest rates, um, reported rates by female embodied folks and feminine embodied folks of just catcalling and in, in street violence. Okay. So although it's not the most feminist thing to say, or for me to think, right, but he could also be seeing this from a safety standpoint, right? I don't think it's safe for you. If you want to be out and alone, and you want to be independent, I don't think it's safe for you to wear certain things by yourself. And we could discuss, we could have a whole class all semester, on the, the politics of that but it could be coming from there too and oh my god dr rule i
1: just feel like
0: uh, already
1: it was it was so painful it was like you said 90 day fiance's bread and butter setup situation i'm really excited and looking forward to meeting him seeing his one on one interview getting his side of of things his perspective because i also want to know like what possessed you to marry this woman Mm
0: -hmm. what's
1: the attraction point what was the interest point because uh yeah it's obviously not going well and I don't really think it's gonna go well
0: yeah no I mean I'm here for it I'm here for the shit show super excited
1: right um where should we go next um we have Rishi and Jen Danielle Johan Chris Oh, sorry to cut you off. Let's do, can we do Gabe and Isabel? Yes. We,
0: we open with like them being the most beautiful family that you've ever seen. And they're playing their Nerf guns inside. And we hear a little bit more about uh, Isabel, right? Again, this is the couple she's in Colombia. She, um, is, um, with her partner, Gabe, Gabe is living in Florida. He's going to come down and move and hopefully get engaged. Um, and then tell her family about his trans experience. Isabel, I don't know. I don't really see a lot of red flags with Isabel. I don't think people's relationship history are always, you know, indicative of them being red flags themselves. She says that she has two kids. She had them rather young. Both of these relationships ended because of their, her partners, which she believes they're toxic relationships with masculinity and machismo. Um, And we just kind of see her being a young, cool mom with her daughter and Talking about, um, you know, the one thing that was a sticking point for me was just that um, she did, she and her daughter did look at Gabe's Instagram, right, before he told her that he was a person of trans experience and that she actually knew beforehand and she had a moment to, you know, kind of quote unquote digest that information herself and I think that this is going to be a great family unit, I think that she probably finds it very relieving that maybe his relationship to masculinity is not normative. And it's not something that she's going to have to worry about, especially around like her teen daughter and her young son. Um, So that's pretty much all we really got just more on their background and his anticipation of coming.
1: Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of content about this couple. It seems pretty straightforward. Um, again, it it seems like the biggest plot point that's being set up by the show is how Isabelle's family, um, specifically the older generation, her parents, will respond to knowing um, that Gabe is a person of trans experience. And, you know, we talked about it last week with the first episode, too, that it does seem like this is something that he wants to relate to them because it is a big part um, of him. It it seeps into his work, the type of business he runs, um, is supporting, you know, trans communities. And so, yeah, um, things seem to be going pretty smoothly. And. Fingers crossed. I would love for them to just be a beautiful couple and meld together into this nice, happy family once he relocates to uh, Columbia.
0: Yeah, there's one thing I did want to mention, though, that I forgot, which is that Isabel and her daughter do have a conversation about the right time to disclose to her 11 year old son that Gabe is trans. Right. And I think that that is a really important discussion to be had. Um, I, you know, everyone has to decide for themselves, but I would invite students to think along with me that, right, there's no necessarily age limit or restriction on teaching your children about just self-expression and, and identity in general. Um, especially again, if we go back to, you know, my rants from earlier episodes that you can listen to about gender or sex being naturalized, Right. Or that that which you are born as is the right or the only version of yourself or the most expressive of of who you are. And so when we think about, oh, well, like, is my son too young to know about this, right? The question I would ask then is, well, is your son too young to know anybody, right? To know anything about anybody? Because this is, again, Gabe is not defined by his experience. This is just one tiny, tiny, tiny piece of the puzzle of who he is. And there's nothing inappropriate about or wrong about being trans and it's into that it, it to my to double down on my point i don't know if this is a disclosure of anything so nothing to disclose because it's not a secret and it just it's something that simply hasn't been told about his history gabe's history and there's things about me that my kids will learn about me when they're 50 and that doesn't mean it was a secret it's just that they don't know yet right
1: Right, right. That's that's absolutely right. And um there are really amazing resources specifically for young folks um and kids about uh you know learning about trans experience and i think you're absolutely right that there's nothing inappropriate it's not some type of confession or scandalous disclosure um there's nothing about you know sex and sexuality that is connected to um you know one's gender and gender identity and gender expression. Um, so again, just because it has to do with gender doesn't mean that it has to do with sexuality per se, and doesn't make any of these topics you know, inaccessible or inappropriate for young audiences.
0: Yeah, and so I think that they'll tell her son whenever they're ready, and I don't think, again, I don't think it's gonna be anything, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, We'll have to see how that goes. It would be great if, you know, that was something that Isabel turns over to Gabe, right? Um, And lets him figure out how he wants to, wants to do that or how he'd like that to go.
0: Absolutely. So let's go to, I think this is going to be short, but Jamie and Chris, um, we see Chris getting ready to go to the airport getting ready to go down to Colombia as well right going down to Colombia to see Jamie
1: Bogota yeah and just as a reminder Jamie is living in Bogota Colombia but she is Venezuelan um, and right Chris is coming from Haleyville Alabama small town first time out of the country Uh, it's going to be a big deal
0: yeah. And I think, I just want to mention, as we get to know Chris, I think there's just a lot more we need to learn about her history, right? This is a first same-sex, bona fide, same-sex relationship for her. And I think that emotionally, there's just like a lot of regression that about Chris's, that's expressing through her aesthetic, that's expressing through like even her reliance on candy. And so it's clear that I think in this environment or in this situation, she feels super vulnerable and at the same time, very innocent because, like, she says this is the first time she does something for herself, right? Um, and so she, her kids, Chris's kids and her mom drop her off at the, um, at the hospital, oh, Lord, at the airport. And she gets excited to go see Jamie. And then we just, like, see what Jamie's up to in preparation for Chris, basically.
1: Right. And Jamie is of like primping getting her hair done getting her makeup done she wants to make an awesome first in-person uh impression because we also need to remember this is the first time that they are laying eyes on each other in person the entirety of their approximately one year relationship has been all virtual all through the phone and computer so this is the first time they're going to be together in person
0: Yeah. And so we just hear, um, you know, again, um, Jamie and Chris's story relayed to Jamie's friends, the makeup artists, and they have questions about this supposed history about what Jamie was doing when they were on a break and what Chris was doing when she was ghosting Jamie. And so uh, we don't really get any answers, but I'm excited for them to tease that out in the next episode.
1: Yeah, importantly, no answers. I still want to know why Chris has been ghosting Jamie, uh, who this, again, sort of Texas girl is, if she's still in the picture or not. She at least stirred the pot when she reached out to Chris and let her know that she had been talking to Jamie as well. Yeah, I, I feel like they're sort of cutting it and editing in such a way that they're building up to a reveal. So I'm getting a little bit nervous about that. But again, so far, it seems like a uh, relatively smooth sailing.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, there's not really much to say. Um, do you see what do you think this first interaction is going to be like for them next week?
1: I think that they are going to just be so excited to physically be together. I think they're going to ride that emotional high, right? Of just like having this anticipation come to life and be realized. I think that Jamie, um, no, not Jamie. I think that Chris is not... um, You know, considering the toll of the culture shock that she's about to have going to a country where she does not speak the language, um, going from a very small town to a big city. Um, and, and with no experience, as far as we know, traveling internationally as well. So I think that that's going to be a big part of, um, Chris's experience and that, that is going to, uh, come into play basically as soon as that immediate adrenaline of being together wears off.
0: Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs>
1: can't wait. I think
0: Do you think they're going to stay together. You think they're going to crash and burn?
1: Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think their track record's not great. Right. Again, I want to know about the ghosting. I want to know about this third person. Um, of course I want them to work out, but you know, there's also a bit of an age difference. I mean, they've, they've got a decade between them. That's not that, not a huge deal, but they also are being portrayed as relatively inexperienced. Right. Um, and, and, I don't know. Like, I think the likelihood that you ever marry your first partner um, is low and they've obviously had previous partners, but, you know, they're, they're sort of stepping into a, you know, same, same sex, same gender relationship for the first time. And there's, there's a lot that goes into that. So I think for that reason, oh, I hate to say it. I don't want it to be true, but I'm not terribly hopeful. I think, I think Chris is just going to want to go back to Alabama.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I completely agree with that. Agreed.
1: She should move to Birmingham or something. I don't know.
0: Yes, to like explore this new phase of her life. Completely agree.
1: Or move just like to a city. Um, yeah. Agreed.
0: Speaking of people who should just move to cities or just move to other parts of the country, should we do Danielle and Johan? And Johan! Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm, okay, so... they actually opened the episode for us and oh man this is like where do we begin so we begin with her 10-step beauty routine you know whatever to each their own it it couldn't be me you know more of a baltimore tap water kind of girl myself on my face but you know she does their eyes and i think it's cute right he's doing her little face thing with her and we just see, like, this is one of the ways that, like, her class iterates for us, right? Like, she's like, I need rose oil. I need rose quartz. Um, I wouldn't say all these things are, like, super expensive, by the way, but it's just the, It's the ceremony of it.
1: That's a it's little... The, it's the fact that she needs a refrigerator in the bathroom.
0: I know. I that's,
1: know. I think that's what it is, right? I... And that she's unable to carry out you know, this this ritualized process of caring for her skin in an environment that just is set up to have sort of different priorities.
0: Which is also, by the way, like perpendicular to the idea of living in the Dominican, right? Because when you say you need a fridge in your bathroom, you're telling me that your house is too big for you to simply walk to the kitchen and get it out of the regular refrigerator, which tells me she's envisioning her life in a mansion, which, sweetie, if you have not noticed, but Johan is not giving you a mansion in the Dominican Republic.
1: No, and and I actually think, and this is just actually coming together in my mind as we're talking about it, which is why it's so great to rehash these shows. But refrigeration becomes a major plot point this episode. Mm. And so when we think about her having to refrigerate her products... And A, not not be able to even just walk over to her kitchen refrigerator. But then when we are contrasted with Johan's new business, right, his new butcher shop, and they have a meltdown about the refrigeration of the meat. And so it's not just a matter of purchasing a little mini fridge for $30 on Amazon and plugging it in it's much broader than that because we're talking about his store doesn't even have the protocol of refrigerating the meat during, um, you know, store hours so that people can come and see it. And again, she just totally flips out about this.
0: Yeah, y'all, y'all are watching a PhD at work right here because yeah, these are the threads we pull out in the humanities. We're like, refrigeration, that's a whole book. But no, Dr. Rule is completely right. And Right. We have to, diverse, uh, of course, address. So she goes to his butcher shop and he even says he was so excited to show her. I'm sure he's been working on this. I'm sure she was nagging him for over a year to start something of his own. Or do you want to work at a resort your whole life? And then now he starts his own business. His business so excited to show his wife. And she basically just shits on it the entire time. And specifically, right, the meat that is sitting out is not refrigerated. I'm sure Dr. Rule and I can both attest, and I'm sure people who are listening who've been abroad, the U.S. is like the only place that refrigerates a lot of things, okay? We're the only place I've ever seen eggs refrigerated. That's including your European places, right? Butter usually is not refrigerated. In North Africa, meat is not refrigerated. And again, this is not about, oh, ew, these people abroad don't refrigerate their meat. It's about our agricultural standards and our high levels of bacteria and the fact that we put our meat on a shelf for sometimes months and up to a year that makes us have the need to refrigerate. These people are putting, slaughtering an animal, putting it out, and at the end of the day, it rots and you throw it out. It is not sitting there forever, okay? This is about, this is like fresh produce and meat, and Her her American stomach could not stomach the bacteria that is on this meat, but his and his communities can. So there's nothing intrinsically wrong about this. This is just how it's done.
1: Right. And I think that that's so important, right? This is just a cultural difference. Things are done differently, right? And the problem becomes when you are unwilling to accept that difference doesn't equal bad right when she's unwilling to say oh you don't refrigerate your meat in your butcher shop if i had a butcher shop i would refrigerate it therefore my way is right and your way is wrong that's where this all you know develops into conflict right is is her fundamental inability to put her sort of american standards and cultural practices aside and and not on the pedestal that she is keeping them on and I think that's just a theme throughout this couple's whole relationship is that she um I think as a as a product of her age but actually I think the age is a veneer right I think really as a product of her whiteness and her Americanness, really is just approaching him in a totally paternalistic way that just breaks my heart like it broke my heart to watch her come into this shop and just totally like you said like put him down criticize what he was doing when it was obvious that he had invested thought about it was providing something to his neighborhood um and you could just see that he was hurt by this and i was hurt Watching for you, Johan, I didn't like it.
0: Didn't like it. Yeah, not at all. I would also say it has to be reduced onto her identity as a New Yorker, right? Because for her age, I would say that, you know, she reads to me as someone who has hustled all 15 years that she's lived in New York City, and it hasn't amounted to what she thought it was going to amount to. And I think that she, yeah, that's where some of her paternalism comes from. Is like, no, you need to do things this way. Or like, this is the right way to do them. You're never going to get ahead in life. It is, she's very much putting like a New Yorker rhetoric on this slow Dominican life that she per- says that she wants. Um, and we see that in, you know, she iterates it as, um, well, if you're going to have a business, well, like you need a computer. Mm, not necessarily, to be honest with okay. you. And by the way, like, His family is struggling. We are struggling to buy refrigerators. Do you really think that the computer, which he also expressed that he doesn't really know how to use, is what is needed in order to make money? Like, that sounds like a confusion on her part. Again, not on his
1: Right. And and you know where else I see this really um go into a, a nasty area is when she talks about how she hopes that he's not thinking she's going to financially contribute to this. She's not going to be his sugar mama. And she says, how can I be married to someone who can't be bothered to do basic math? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, you know, what the problem with this is it's because for her. Well, it's it's not about math. He's doing the math. He has a ledger book. He's keeping track of what he pays people, how much the meat costs, what he's selling. He has this all in a notebook. He's doing the basic math. But for her, the basic math is not this form. It's having a computer, having an Excel spreadsheet, having refrigerators. So it's not about his failures as a business person. It's not about his lack of hard work or lack of hustle. Um, He's doing things. He's getting the job done. He's running a business in his community, in his context. And she's coming in and imposing her way of doing things. And making it out like he is just totally inept. And that's racist. It's absolutely racist. I just, I know
0: we've alluded to this, but I have the direct quote, right? He says to her, instead of supporting my business, you brought down my spirits. And he said, now I just feel like I want to close the shop. Yeah. Right. Devastating to me. I mean, like just really quick, if I can get my last dig in, if if it, all it took was an Excel spreadsheet, then why isn't Danielle rich? Why isn't her wellness business booming? I I just I don't understand it. Like the condescension, her expression of disgust. Um I, I just, yeah, it just it says she's constantly that she's getting sick from being in there and she just needs to leave. And I don't know if you noticed in the first scene when they're washing face, but I saw that he has a tattoo of her name on his peck.
1: Oh no, I didn't see it. Yeah, he
0: has her name, Danielle. <sighs> but but it's you know, episode
1: about name tattoos.
0: <laughs> I know. I told you, and I was like trying to get E rule tattooed on me. But whatever. <laughs> uh, but the last thing I wanted to mention though is that um, you know I thought she was going to make a bigger deal over the fact of where's this money coming from. Where is the you know? Do you have another sugar mom? I thought they were gonna. They might pick that thread up next. Um semester next semester. Wow, you guys, I'm in it, I'm in a deep. Um, next episode. But he is a Dominican man. You really think he's gonna be admitting on camera where he gets all of his money when he's probably operating in several underground economies? Like, honey, no. Well,
1: who knows? I mean, Danielle, I'm just I'm I'm really done with her. my heart just goes out to Johan. They are so painful to watch. Mm-hmm. Um and Again, like she just keeps saying that she wants to live in the DR because she loves the DR. And at every turn, she's turning around and talking about how much she hates the DR. She's getting sick there. She can't do her beauty routine. They don't refrigerate the meat. They don't do business. Right. I mean, so this this veneer of loving the DR is just not right. She loves living in a resort or she loves how far her American dollar goes in the Dominican Republic, right? She doesn't actually love the DR.
0: Completely agree. I completely, completely agree. She's in love with the fantasy. And I think that fantasy has actually very little to do with Johan. So we'll see next week. They go apartment hunting. So that should be interesting. More pain. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, disaster yeah one word that's it um we have one more couple i believe so and it is rishi and jen yep so we basically just hear a lot from jen i mean we're just basically get a main scene where she's sitting around the dinner table with her mother her brother and sister-in-law um and um they're just expressing their um curiosity but also their worry for her she it's Again, it's reiterated that she's this type of person. She's the person that likes to travel, and she's always kind of been the black sheep of the family. They're worried about. Um, yeah, they're just worried about her relationship. But the the meat of the episode is when she meets with her girlfriends, who are categorically opposed to her marrying Rishi, and then they all engage in a shady seventh grade activity. Which, man, Dr. Rule, if I'm if we're there when I'm almost fifty, just put me in therapy for several times a week because I'm like, wow. She's like, you explain it. You explain what they did.
1: I mean, so they basically catfish him. (laughs) Um, they, They, you know, send out a message to see if he'll respond to another white American woman. He does. There's like a little bit of back and forth. We have no indication that there was anything scandalous, anything romantic, um, but I, they are using this as evidence that he is talking to other women. Jen has already indicated that she's very jealous. Um, and yeah, so they basically just catfish him to see if, if he'll respond. He does. But again, it seems like it doesn't really go so far. The bigger thing for me, actually, with with their segment this week was that it comes to light that he hasn't told his family that they're engaged. So I was getting major Jenny and Summit vibes.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, we know from Jenny and Sumit how, not just Jenny and Summit, but like, if you have one brain cell, right. Knowing that in Indian culture, family is super important and specifically family approval is super, super, super important. And so We know that Rishi's um, not telling of his family, I think is leading us down the same Jenny Summit, you know, road. And and we know that his family, Rishi's family is trying to set him up in an arranged marriage and that, you know, Jen is going to get there. And I think they're going to say, who is this white lady in my house? And why does she keep saying she's about to marry you?
1: And why is she almost 50, right? (laughs) And Yeah. I mean, there's the age, the nationality, presumably religion, culture, uh, race. I mean, there's so many factors, right? And uh, she basically falls outside of their norm for the the type of woman that they're trying to set him up with in an arranged marriage. Yeah. Um. Again, if you don't watch the other uh 90 Day Fiance franchises or what? 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 what am I looking for the other 90 Day Fiance shows? Not yeah. other way spinoff. You need to watch Jenny and Submit. Um, they're they're on happily ever after now, and they've been together for more than 10 years and they are still dealing with fallout from the family. That's incredibly painful for both of them. So, uh, I just feel like. You know, we started the episode talking about the tropes of, um, you know, Arab men, Middle Easterns, Muslims in contradistinction to Americans. Right. And that being this this trope that's constantly played on. I'm wondering if now Rishi and Jen are going to be a new trope, right, specifically focused around India, knowing that Jenny and Samit have given 90 Day Fiancé so much content and so much content focused around real um you know conflict.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, real, real conflict. And, you know, I think what's just gonna be the variable with Rishi and Jen is just what that conflict is centered around. Is it that, you know, they illuminated or they gestured to this before, which is that like, is this about Rishi thinking he's better than her? Or he deserves someone hotter than her or whatever that means. Um, or is this more a family approval thing? Is this him, you know, wanting to go to the US? Because what I think that the other way does not do very well is tell us or help us understand as audience members what the goal of the relationship is. Yes, someone from America is going literally the other way. They're going to that country. We never know the longevity of that. Are they going to stay there forever? Do they plan to move to the US? There, Where is the whole green card trope in all of this, right? Because I think that it, it is there. But again, I don't know what the goal is of this relationship. So it's hard for me to kind of um, portend a trajectory for them too.
1: Yeah, but you're exactly right. Even though, um, you know, this is the other way where the Americans go abroad, um, this is still 90 day fiance, right? And that 90 day refers to the 90 day fiance visa to enter the U.S. And so that always has to be in the back of our minds, even when um, it's being set up that it's the Americans that are going Uh, outside of the country yep yep absolutely I completely agree um you have anything else to say about them I don't um can't wait to see what happens next week again I think that they're going to be a high conflict couple to watch absolutely
0: I think you know I think like I think it's gonna be a good season overall so I'm just excited and we have a lot of content here for us to discuss um, just as an uh, administrative note, so um, because of the Super Bowl on Sunday, there's no new 90 Day Fiance the other way airing. So we will not be releasing an episode next week. We'll be releasing an episode and two Married at First Sight episodes the week after next. Um, we will. Um, update you on social media but we will still be releasing content on social media during that time so you can keep up with us there in the meantime please check out our patreon at patreon.com backslash rlty 101 podcast and um yeah join the conversation there ask us anything you would like Um, we're excited to connect with with all of you
1: once again you can find us at RLTY101 we're on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. Give us a like, give us a follow, give us a comment. What did you think about these new couples? What's your take on Nicole and Mahmoud? Where do you think things are going with Chris and Jamie? Gabe and Isabel? Uh what's your take on Rishi and Jen? And where do we think poor Danielle and Johan are going to go next? Let us know what you think. We appreciate you giving us a listen and engaging with us online. And we can't wait to come back uh, with our next episode.
0: Yeah, so we'll see all of you soon. Looking forward to see you on the Patreon and on social media. That I'll say class
1: dismissed.